Hello, my name is Derek Walker and I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church and this week we're continuing our series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit within and the Spirit upon. There is a twofold ministry of the Holy Spirit. Last time we looked at the difference between the ministry of the Spirit in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Under the Old Covenant, he came on certain ones at certain times to empower them, to speak, to do, to see supernaturally, to empowering them to minister, to be kings, or prophets or priests. Um, and so the Spirit upon, the Spirit came upon them. Doesn't talk about the Spirit within them, but the Spirit came upon them. It's for power, to minister, uh, unction to function. And the same is true in the New Covenant. We read in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's power, power to minister. The Spirit upon empowers us to minister in the old and in the new. And we saw that there are two key differences between the Old and the New Testament in this regard. First of all, in the old, the Spirit did not come upon all of God's people, only on a few. But there was a promise that there was coming a new day when God would pour out his Spirit upon all of his people. We will all be empowered to minister in different ways and to witness. The second difference is in the old covenant, they did not have his Spirit within. Even the prophets and the kings and the great men of the Old Testament, they did not have the Spirit within dwelling within them permanently as we do today. Now we have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the reason for this is that until Jesus died and rose again, mankind was spiritually dead in Adam, through Adam's sin. And the new birth of our spirits was not yet available to mankind. We saw that this new birth was made available. Last week we saw it. It was made available through the death and resurrection of Christ. So it's part of the new covenant. And so we have a wonderful privilege being born again, having a reborn spirit that can contain now the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside us. Our spirits were like old wineskins that couldn't contain the new wine of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God couldn't dwell within them, could only come upon them. Well, although the new birth and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit were not available before the cross, the Old Testament prophets, especially Ezekiel, prophesied the coming of a day of a new covenant when God would give his people a new spirit and he would put his Holy Spirit within them. Ezekiel 36, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, not just upon you, but within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. This was not the reality yet in Ezekiel's time, but it was a prophecy of what would become a reality in the new covenant. Notice that the purpose of the spirit within was not so much for ministry, but to cause us to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. It's for our own life of holiness. It's to be like Christ, to fulfill the law uh, of love in our life. Uh, that's the spirit within us. But the spirit upon us is to empower us to minister to others. Jesus had the spirit within him 
even from his conception. But it was only when he was 30 that he had the Spirit upon him, empowering him to minister. There's two different ministries of the Holy Spirit. Now, another prophecy uh, of the coming of the indwelling Spirit in the day of the new covenant is in Isaiah chapter 11 and 12, and it's related to the coming of the Messiah. He will bring in this new day of the Spirit. Isaiah 11 starts saying, There shall come forth a rod, that's Jesus, from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And this predicts the Messiah will come as a man, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Isaiah goes on uh, in chapter 12 to say that he will bring in a new covenant, a new age of the Spirit, where God will fill all of his people with his Spirit. He'll provide a salvation that will lead to them being, having the Holy Spirit within them. Isaiah 12 says, and in that day, in that new day of the Messiah, you, and that literally means all of God's people, will say, O oh Lord, I will praise you, I will thank you. Though you were angry with me because of my sin, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Now, how did the Messiah achieve this? The turning away of God's anger from us, he did it, according to Isaiah 53, by taking our sins and by taking God's anger upon himself. And by his death on the cross, he saved us from God's judgment. He obtained our forgiveness of sins. No wonder it says in that day, we will say, thank you, Lord. Your anger's turned away from me. You've forgiven me. You've opened the way for me to be filled with the Spirit of God within me. Then verse 2 describes the result of this salvation, a transformation within us, God working within us in the new birth. It says, behold, look at the one who's done this, it says. God is my salvation. Literally, the word my salvation there is my Yeshua. This is the name of the Messiah revealed in the Old Testament. God is my Yeshua, it says. He's the one who's done this salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He has also become my salvation. I want you to notice, he hasn't just saved us, he's become our salvation. He's become our strength, he's become our song, he's become our life. His work on the cross, you see, released him to become our source of life within us. So now the believer knows God as the source of his life and salvation. This is New Covenant prophecy. It's not just that God gives us strength and some salvation, but he is our strength and salvation now. God is united with man, in other words. God and man are one. He's come to live in the spirit of man, imparting his life from the inside. That's why we have a song rising up from within. And then in verse 3 it says, therefore. Why? Because now God is within me, as he is my salvation, my source of life. Therefore, with joy, you, that's all believers, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you'll draw water from the springs of salvation or the salvation springs. In other words, there are springs or fountains now of living waters of life and salvation that we're invited to draw from. God has springs of healing and life and wisdom, love, patience, kindness, humility, faithfulness, 
all of these wonderful springs of salvation for us to enjoy. But it's up to us, apparently, to draw the water from the wells of salvation. Those, where are those wells? In the New Covenant, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. He is the source of the waters of life. The well is our spirit. The well is, that's where the water of life is. That's where the Holy Spirit is. That's the salvation spring. And we are, now that he is in us, we draw water from those wells with joy. Praise God. Where are these springs? The amazing thing is, in the new covenant, God is the source of these springs of life. He's become our salvation. Where is he now? Just jump forward to verse 6 and you'll find out. He says, cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One in the midst of you. Praise God. God, where is he? The Holy One, the Holy Spirit, the greater one. Great is the Holy One in the midst of you, in your spirit. Praise God. That's where he is and that's where now you're born again. Spirit is a well of salvation, is a salvation spring. And you can draw water out from your spirit with joy. Hallelujah. He's in us. That's why we can shout for joy. This is a prophecy that when the Messiah comes, he will make our spirits wellsprings of living water of God's everlasting life. He'll cause the spirit of life to well up from our spirits, praise God, and that we will have an everlasting supply of living water, praise God. This is what he did in the new birth. So we can now draw on those living waters of the Holy Spirit within us. We can walk in love, we can walk in peace. Those waters are within our spirit. We're just to draw those waters out and walk in the spirit. And Isaiah 12 goes on to describe how we do this. In that day, it says, of the new covenant, you will say, our mouth is very important in this, praise the Lord. That's one way we do it. We praise the Lord. Then it says, call on his name. That's through prayer we draw out those waters. Then it talks about witnessing and preaching. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. That's, then it says, sing to the Lord for he's done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Then it says, cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One within you. You see, the power of the greater one, the Holy Spirit is released when we open our mouth and praise and sing and confess the word of God and pray the will of God and witness and so forth. And that way we draw that living water out from our spirit, from the wells of salvation. And uh, we believe it into our soul and we speak it and release it into our life. You know, we can be like a hose pipe filled with water. The spirit's in there. But unless we open the nozzle of our mouth, that it can't flow out of us as it ought to. We need to draw water from the wells of salvation in our spirit. When Jesus came, he claimed to bring this prophecy to fulfillment. I want to show you that now. You see, Jesus was conceived by the Spirit. He was sinless. And so, unlike everyone else, he had a perfect spirit, and he could have the Holy Spirit within him from his birth. And so he could have perfect fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. And so... In his earthly ministry, he was a temple of God. The Holy Spirit lived in him. And, and so when he talked about raising up the temple after three days, he was talking about himself. Do you remember that story? Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. 
He now was the real temple where the Holy Spirit really lived, you see. But the, for the rest of humanity, that was not true because their spirits were dead. But he was saying in John 4, he said, the hour is coming. He says, I'm bringing in a new day through my death and resurrection. The now, the day, the hour is coming and now is. Now it already was true in himself because the spirit lived in him. So in one sense, it was true in him, but he's saying the hour is coming when the true worshipers, not just him, but now a whole company of God's people, the, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeking such to worship him, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. To truly worship God, who is spirit, we need our spirit to be made alive through the new birth. And that, that wasn't true in the Old Testament. With this reborn spirit, we can worship God in spirit, you see. Before the cross, man was dead spiritually. He couldn't worship God that way. He couldn't know that God that way, direct, spirit to spirit. But Jesus announced that the hour was coming now when men could be born again and worship God in spirit. And that day would dawn when he rose from the dead. He said it's true now because his own spirit was alive to God and he had the Holy Spirit within him. And then, so it was true in him. And when he sowed himself into death, as our representative, and he rose again. He multiplied himself, producing multitudes of reborn temples of the Holy Spirit, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's the new covenant. So we've seen that the new birth and the spirit within is promised in the Old Testament. And now we're seeing that when Jesus came, he declared he would bring this into reality. You know, a few verses before, go back a few verses in John 4, he described the new birth that would make it possible for them to become true worshippers in spirit. And that this new birth would be given to those who received him. That would enable them to worship God. Through this new birth, he would bring the fulfillment of Isaiah 12. I want you to see these verses, which are the fulfillment of Isaiah 12. He would give our spirit everlasting life, the life of the Holy Spirit springing up within us unto eternal life. John 4.10, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, I offer it to you as a free gift. I offer you eternal life. I offer you the Holy Spirit, the living water as a free gift. All you have to do is ask and receive. And that's his free gift. And then he says to the woman, Verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about the water in the natural well. He says, all the waters of the world will never satisfy you. Education, drugs, money, entertainment, some which are good, some which are legal, some which are not good, some which are not legal. But whatever the natural water is that you're drinking for, for satisfaction, you will be thirsty again. They will never permanently satisfy you. But he says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, I will never thirst again. In other words, that water isn't going to go away. It's not going to drain away. The Holy Spirit will be in you permanently as an ever-present source of life and blessing. He says, but the water, the Spirit that I shall give him will become in him a fountain 
a spring, as it were, of living water, springing up to everlasting life. That's what Isaiah 12 prophesied. The fountain, the wells of salvation are in us. We'll have a reborn spirit, and the water within us now will have God's everlasting life in it. Praise God. This is something new, something Jesus was going to make available to all his people. The creation within us of a fountain of everlasting spiritual life. This is the rebirth of our spirit. He's saying that by the new birth, our spirit becomes like an artesian's well, bored deep in the earth, you see, and, and, and the well, and the water is under pressure, rushes up and provides a constant supply of water. He says our spirit sinks deep into the depths of God so that the waters of God's life are springing up. Love, joy, peace is springing up continually in your spirit. You have a spirit fountain on the inside of you through the new birth. And those springs are always available. And you can draw water from those springs at any time. How does it happen? He says first you must drink and receive within yourself the water of the spirit. That's his, the gift of the Spirit within us. We receive the gift of the Spirit within us. And the result of the Spirit coming within us is that the Spirit produces in us a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. That's the new birth. When the Spirit comes in, the first thing he does is transform our spirit from death to life. Hallelujah. And this is the new birth. And then he... Because the Spirit's transformed, the Holy Spirit can now abide and dwell in us forever because of the new covenant established in the blood of Jesus has made this a permanent reality. Hallelujah. And you can draw the waters of life anytime. The Spirit within us is for our benefit, that we would have God's life within us so that we could cultivate and develop the fruit of the Spirit a life of holiness to God, just like Jesus did, even before he received the Spirit upon him to minister. Later on in John's Gospel, he said, it's, I won't just give you the Spirit within, but I'll give you the Spirit upon after my resurrection. I'll give you power to witness. I'll give you the Spirit that will flow out of you as rivers of living water. He cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water to others. But this, notice, it wasn't yet available. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this confirms again that the new covenant gift of the Spirit, within and upon, would not be given until he was glorified. He had to die, he had to rise again, he had to be exalted to God's right hand. Then he would receive the promise and pour it out for us to receive by faith. And here he describes the Holy Spirit coming upon, filling all, and flowing out as rivers of life and power to minister to others. Praise God. So the Spirit within and the Spirit upon in the new covenant is given freely and permanently to all believers. Hallelujah. Whereas the old covenant believers, they didn't even have the Spirit within, and only some of them had the Spirit upon, and even then it was temporal, not necessarily permanent. Well, before his death, Jesus told his disciples more information about what it would be like in the new covenant. Um, and one of, in his most important teaching at the Last Supper, in John 14 to 16, and he gave much information about the Holy Spirit. Let's go to John 14, 16 first. 
He said, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. This is something new. He'll be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. In the person of Jesus, he was on Jesus, he was with them. They knew him, but some, this is the new thing now. He dwells with you and he will be in you. That's the new thing. He was in Jesus all the time, but now he would be in them just as he was in Jesus. Praise God. And so, in the new covenant, Christ's purpose of sending the Holy Spirit was that a divine person might come and live in us as our helper, to help us live a life pleasing to God. The word helper here is paraclete. Parakletos means called alongside, to help. This is a wonderful provision, but it has an implication. You know, we have a helper living on the inside of us, but if you have a helper, you have to call on his help. Otherwise, he'll just be passive. You have to call on his strength. You have to call on his power, his wisdom. You have to lean back on him and trust him to help you, help you speak God's words, help you do what God tells you to do, to help you in all the areas of your life. He's there for you. The Amplified expands the meaning. It says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter, counselor, intercessor, helper, advocate, strengthener, standby, that he will remain for you forever, the spirit of truth. He will be in you. The Holy Spirit, you see, is a divine person, God. He's a helper on the inside. He's been given to us to help and strengthen us, to abide and live in us forever. Praise God, after God recreated us and made us new creations on the inside, he made us his own. And then in the person of the Holy Spirit, he comes in and lives inside us. He makes our, our bodies his home. And through the Holy Spirit, therefore, the third person of the Godhead lives inside us as believers. We can be spiritually conscious of his presence all the day. We don't have to depend on emotional experiences. Our emotions fluctuate, but it's always true that the Holy Spirit lives in us and we can depend on him and call on his help at any time, however we're feeling. In the New Covenant, we have this indwelling spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, God lived in a man-made holy of holies. But when Jesus died on the cross, he, he cried out, it is finished. And at that moment, the massive veil, the thick veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And God was saying, the old covenant now is finished. And God is bringing in a new covenant. His presence is no longer in, the build, in a physical building. His presence is now us. He now comes to live in us. We are now his temple, his home. And in the new covenant now, our recreated spirit is the Holy of Holies, where God lives in. We are temples. We have three parts, like the temple. The Holy of Holies is our spirit, the holy place is the soul, and our body is the outer court. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside the Holy of Holies and wants to flow out to every part of our life. That's why he, God lives in us. That's an amazing thing. The Bible says, don't you know this? This is important, that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. His permanent dwelling is in you. 
What agreement, he says, has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. You see, we can have continual communion with the Holy Spirit because he lives in us. It says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You see, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's united to our spirit. Our spirit and the Holy Spirit are are like this. And so he's constantly strengthening, empowering our spirit. And if we walk in the spirit, then the Holy Spirit is, is flowing as well. He lives in us by his Holy Spirit. And if we're conscious of the greater one indwelling us, praise God, and filling us, and if we believe that, we'll never fear because we have the source of life and wisdom and strength living inside us. We don't have to be defeated by the circumstances of life because the greater one is in us. We can rise up, look to faith to the greater one. It says, you are of God, little children. Even the little children among us, it says, have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. The greater one is in us. God in the person of the Holy Spirit is within us, giving our spirit victory. And so you are not left helpless. The the greater one is in you. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where is the spirit of the Lord? He's in you. Therefore, your spirit has liberty. It is free from the power of sin and death and Satan. Your spirit is victorious. And so if you live out from your spirit, which is energized by God's spirit, you'll start to enjoy life and victory and joy because your, your spirit has been set free. He is changing us by the power of the Spirit working within us. It says later in that verse, we are being transformed into the same image of Christ from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. He's in our spirit and he's changing us from the inside out. That's why it says it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He shows us God's will. He gives us the desire to God's will and he empowers us to do God's will. And so every believer has the power within him. Not only is God for us, not only is God with us, but God is in us, hallelujah. When we realize this, we'll know that nothing is impossible to us. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Why? Because the believer has the greater one within him to whom nothing is impossible. That's why Paul says, I can do all things. All things that God is telling me to do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me on the inside by a spirit. That's my prayer for you. I pray that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to his power that works in us by the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God, the greater one, lives in you. Rise up and draw waters from the wells of salvation.